Welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. This is episode 74, and I'm your host, John S. In today's episode, we meet Justin M., a co-founder of Quad A Canberra. Justin will share his story, and we'll talk a little bit about recovery as a secular person in AA. He'll also share some exciting news about a new podcast he's going to be producing, featuring stories of secular people in recovery. Without further ado, Justin M. from Quad A Canberra. Okay, Justin, hello. How you doing? Hi, how you doing, John? It's very nice to have you here. Um, for I don't know how long, I've known you on on um, Twitter. And, yes, uh, I do have a presence there. And um, I always thought to myself, you know, I really need to give this guy a call and, and do a podcast. And then um, now I know you on Facebook. So <laughs> getting to know you better all the time. Maybe a good place to start is with your own story, um, if you would like to go into that. You know, your whole story with Alcoholics Anonymous, getting involved with Secular AA and starting the group in Canberra, and we'll just kind of take it from there. Yeah, excellent. No worries. Um, I started uh, drinking late in life. When I was young, I was uh, a pretty straight-edge kind of person. I didn't uh, drink or do drugs. Uh, but what I found later in life was that I um, I got married and I was in a very unhappy relationship in my marriage. And uh, I didn't really know how to cope. So I turned to drinking as a way to cope. Uh, and very quickly, you know, it's the classic story, you know, a, uh, a couple of drinks of wine at night became a bottle you know, after a little while, that became two bottles, and then the black eight started. You know, then it became a fortified bottle of fortified wine, and then it was a bottle of wine and half a bottle of spirits. And then, you know, it kind of, at the end, it was um, a bottle of spirits a night. So it was pretty classic demise into, um, into pretty heavy drinking and blacking out over a nine-year period. We have a uh, pretty good medical system here, so I was able to, towards the end, access a free counselling service. We also have uh, free public hospitals in Australia, so I was able to, through my counsellor, set up a way to uh, go to a, a centre for a medical withdrawal, what um, we sort of colloquially known as a, a detox here in Australia. Unfortunately, my counsellor, although she was a lovely person, I'd and I no longer see her because uh, I've, I've sort of, you know, in the recovery process now. Um, but she was a lovely person, but she's not she's not a drinker herself, and she's certainly not an alcoholic. So she um, didn't quite understand the impacts of the words that she said to me. Um, with a week to go before I booked in to the detox, she said to me, it's very important that you understand that you can't stop drinking. Uh, and I mean, uh, <laughs> um, I can guess that you know what I read into that, John, which was drink as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so the last week was a bit of a nightmare drinking 24 seven. It's something I hadn't really done before. It, uh, it ended up that I was, uh, I was admitted to the hospital and, um, um, I went through the process of, you know, having Valium and the withdrawal process and, um, 
it was it was not pretty. Uh, one of the nurses later described me as one of the worst that she'd seen on admission. Mm-hmm. Um, not something that I'm particularly proud of, but uh, yeah. I like to mention because it really sets the scene yeah. of where I've come from as being a, a committed non-drinker, mm-hmm. someone who used it as a very poor coping device right. uh, when I couldn't cope with a bad marriage, and then someone who really spiraled out of control towards the end. But look, I was very lucky. I um, On my third day in the hospital, um, they took us out to a, um, a meeting of AA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a meeting, a men's meeting here in Canberra. And look, I was asked to share and I threw myself into it. I shared in my first meeting. I cried my eyes out because we were talking about one of the, like we were asked to talk about some of the things that we were ashamed about and I had a lot to be ashamed about. I cried. We had a, a break in the middle because it was an hour and a half meeting. And um, I had about three guys come up to me and just hug me. And it was something that I had missed for such a long time, mm-hmm. that sense of um, love and compassion. You know, yeah. we talk about love and tolerance in AA, but the feeling of like unconditional love and unconditional acceptance and compassion, you know, mm-hmm. these are guys who had shared, uh, you know, a similar history or if it was not exactly the same you know we um we share a sense of history and you know it was just total acceptance you know so but i was um i guess uh hooked on my my new obsession which was aa Mm -hmm. (laughs) from my first meeting um i didn't i have to say i didn't get it straight away i didn't um really uh, i had a couple of relapses in there but I didn't stop going to meetings, and I think that was the key thing for me. I'd, I I uh, would go away and think about things, and and think about the the, the sense of of calm and that acceptance and compassion and love mm-hmm. that I felt at AA meetings. And I couldn't, uh, you know, I I could deal with that, and I could uh, um, that really helped. Um, but there was still that call to go back, and uh, so I did. I relapsed a couple of times, and you know. I'm glad I did. I, I think it's it taught me a lot, and mm-hmm. it's taught me now to extend that love and compassion to other people who do relapse, right. or you know, or people who like. I had a, a conversation this last week with someone who was sort of you know trying to almost talk themselves out of recovery. They had a lot of excuses and a lot of ideas about why it wouldn't work for them, and. It taught me that you know I can extend that love and compassion I got for free to them. And understand that I talked myself out of it, but what didn't change was the love and compassion that I received at AA. So I was able to listen to them and, and listen to themselves, so, try to talk themselves out of it and go, okay, yeah, I understand. I did the same. And uh, I think I ended the conversation by saying, you know, look, you know, I understand that it mightn't be for you, but don't forget we're not going anywhere. And it was that, that reminder of that, you know, we're still here. Mm-hmm. You can always come back, and we will always accept you back. Um, there are some people I know in AA who who feel a little bit of shame about coming back, mm-hmm. but um, I've never seen anyone be shamed. I think no. it's I was never shamed. I, I you know, I I quite on one occasion I had relapsed and I came back to a meeting sober for three days. Mm-hmm. Then that time, and I said, look, you know, I'm now three days sober, and what people said was, well done. Yep, you made it back. Absolutely, and that—that's just amazing. So, um, I think whatever sense of shame I had in my head was just in my head, and that really has taught me so many important life lessons about you know that difference between how I perceive a situation and actually then 
just throwing myself into the situation and finding out what is actually true about it. So right. yeah, it's, it's 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 something that uh, I've learned a lot from and I've really enjoyed. Having said that, you know, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would like to see AA change in some ways. But look, you know, that's not up to me. That's up to AA. And that's another thing I've learned that, um, you know, what I want from a situation is not always what I'm going to get, especially when yeah. it's a group situation. So when you started so, going um, to meetings, were you going to, hmm. at that time, I guess they didn't have um, a secular AA meeting. Is that right? Yeah, no, there was there was nothing. Okay. So um, yeah. what what happened that made you want to help start a secular AA meeting? Were you beginning to feel uncomfortable? And what was kind of your belief system when you were starting out? And how did you handle all the God stuff in AA? Uh, that's a very, that's a very <laughs> good question, John. Um, I'm, I'm again, you know, I've, I've been really lucky and, uh, I think that's, you know, probability taken personally, but anyway, yeah. um, um, I met a person who has really become a mentor for me in AA. His name is Chuck. He's, um, was, uh, he's from the U S originally from Boston, but mm-hmm. had moved around and he's been sober for more than 40 years in AA as an out atheist. And he was, he was a real inspiration for me and, and continues to be someone I, you know, think of as a, as a bit of a, an elder and a mentor, someone I can learn a lot from. Um, and so I was struggling with the, the, the God part of the program. I remember after one meeting, a um, particularly religious person came up to me and asked me if I'd found Jesus. Oh my God. And that was, I have to say, it was not an easy situation to deal with. I think I yeah. mumbled something about being agnostic about the question and not mm-hmm. really believing. But it, I realized it had put me in a situation where the love and tolerance and, and compassion that I'd felt from others would be difficult to yeah. return in uh-huh. that situation. Look, I'm, I'm pretty ardent uh, when it comes to my disbelief. Um, uh, and in a everyday situation, I would have said something really silly like, Maybe he's down the back of the couch. That's where the couch <laughs> right, is. <laughs> when I lose it, you know, something silly like that or right. something offhand. But we're not dealing with a situation I felt that I was allowed to be offhand. I, yeah. This is a person who is like me. I don't know what's going on in their head. If I say something flippant, is that enough for them to go and drink? Mm, good point. Um, so I, th- I think I mumbled something about, you know, as I said, being agnostic about the question and walked away. Yeah. Um, and then I realized straight away, okay, this reciprocity that I'm trying to engender is going to be difficult if I'm always tiptoeing around other people's beliefs. Right. And I really wanted the kind of, I guess, the kind of comfort and feeling of safety that uh, a lot of people were describing that they found to AA, and I hadn't quite found that. So being, you know, new in sobriety, I thought, well, I better go and test this idea and run it past a few of my elders, you know. Um, and uh, I've talked to Chuck and I talked to another very long-term agnostic, Shelley, in the program and said, look, th- this is the problem I'm having. You know, I'm I'm very straight up, um, out as an atheist. I'm fairly ardent in my view about the best paths to truth and the most reliable methods for gaining knowledge about the world. Um, so I'm having this difficulty, you know, how do I deal with those who are godly without doing something silly, which may lead to them, you know, relapsing or, or you know, I, even I wouldn't want, uh, uh, I wouldn't want someone, I wouldn't want to challenge someone in such a way that they lost their faith 
because right. my, my feeling in a at least is if faith is getting you sober well good on you that's fantastic yeah and you want AA to be a comfortable safe place for everybody you know um Absolutely. so yeah yeah so i ran it past those two people and basically they said oh well we've been thinking about starting up a non-religious meeting for a long time i'll be darn <laughs> so, and and their words were literally well you know we've been thinking about it but we really want someone who has the time and effort to to put some you know to to start it up and and run with it so um with their encouragement and um with their advice um I thought, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and do this. One of the best pieces of advice that I got actually was um, from someone who said, um, it's great to start a meeting, especially one which is in non-religious, but you have to ensure that you have a sort of continuity mm-hmm. with it. So their advice was talk to people who you find in the program who are atheist or agnostic or not certain or whatever. Talk to them and say, I'm thinking about saying this meeting, are you willing to make a commitment to come along for three to six months? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the advice was when you have half a dozen of those, then go ahead and start the meeting. So that's exactly what I did. Oh, good. So you had a good number of people starting then. Well, I figured, yeah, that, that's the advice that I got. And the more I thought about it, I thought, yeah, that's that's good. There's no point in starting a meeting which you're not going to have people attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, word of mouth is very, you know, uh, very useful in AA. And right. if you get people attending, they, they're going to meet other people that at meetings that I'm not at. And then they're going to, you know, it's going to spread from there. So, look, that's how it started. Great piece of advice and really following the um, – the, the guidance of those who've been in the program much mm-hmm. longer than I have. So we started up. Um, that meeting is still running. We still meet. We're coming up on our second birthday. Okay. Um, it uh, runs on Friday in the, in the city in Canberra at 6.30. I figured since that was going quite well that I might start another meeting. Uh-huh. So that's <laughs> I'm up to co-founding a second <laughs> one. Good. That's, that's on Saturday at, uh, at noon in the southern part of Canberra, so a bit further away from the city. Okay. And both of them get, get good attendance. The Friday night is sort of in a bit of a difficult venue, so we get around eight to ten people, uh-huh. but uh, the Saturday one we get regular attendance in the, the 12 to 14 people. So oh, That's a nice size meeting. It's, yeah, it's coming along well. So my my, my concern, as I said, uh, I, I have, I have time to fall back on, on the data, on the research. My concern with with um, with AA is that the data I've seen says that around about twenty percent of people drink at what would be considered dangerous levels, and that's uh-huh. fairly consistent over time. Right. I don't know the data about, about your bit of the world, John, but certainly in Australia, non-religion as an identity is is definitely growing. Our last national census put non-religious or no, having no religion as being the biggest religious category. Yeah, we're we're getting that way in the states, but we're still a pretty religious country. Um, and I think I think yeah. the ones that identify as nuns probably still have some sort of a concept of a supernatural something out there. But um, yeah, um, probably not as secular as as Australia, but we're getting there. And the um, you know the younger the and as time goes on, we'll get more and more like that. So yeah, you're right. That that's the that's the demographics. That's where that's where society is headed overall. So for me, it's interesting. We have this baseline of people drinking at dangerous levels, mm. but we have the non-religious rising. So mm-hmm. my personal concern is, well, what happens to an organization like AA? Um, my anecdotal evidence, which is not evidence, but my anecdotes are that 
I see people come in who are not religious and they leave very quickly. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, there have been situations where I've had people that I've chased out of meetings because I know they're not religious. Yeah. Um, and they've said to me things like, I'm not going to hang around with that on the wall. Yeah. I don't do God. You know, I, I want to get sober, but I'm not going to do it like this. Yeah. Um, which was another another impetus to try and open a meeting and open more and really offer a you know a, a kinder, gentler way. Right. Um, which seems, I mean, despite what you know, the big book says, you know, there we are. We have very clear traditions and principles. And to me, it seems as though offering a way of getting to sobriety, which is wider and mm-hmm. Kinda is the best way to go. While the while we're getting, um, while the the numbers of the non-religious are growing, AA has actually gotten a little more religious. For example, when you um, told me the story about the guy or who, the whoever it was that asked you if you found Jesus, you would never hear that in AA back when I was starting uh, in '88. Mm. Um, nobody would ever talk about a specific religious belief. They would talk about God for sure. Um, they might even talk about being Catholic or whatever, but, but there was never, you know, open talks of Jesus. Now though, what I hear is people bring the Bible to meetings and people talk about Jesus Christ. So, um, that's a bit different. Um, and, and if I had heard that kind of talk when I was uh, first coming around and I was not a religious person, it would have scared me away too. So basically what's happening, I think, is as um, AA is becoming more religious in, in a sense because the only people who will tolerate it are those who, who, can, who can handle it. And so I think you're getting more and more of those more religious types of people in there. Um, mm. And anyway, that's my, my theory anyway. Oh, absolutely. What really concerns me is that, you know, we, we do have a primary purpose mm. and we do have the third tradition and both of them are very clear. Um, you could call me somewhat of a fundamentalist, but I do go back to the primary sources when I ever have a conflict mm. in my thought about AA. And to me, it's very clear that we do have a primary purpose and we do have tradition. And there are things which are reasonable to talk about in AA and there are things which are outside issues. Right. Um, mm. Now, I'm not saying God is an outside issue, right. but I'm saying our third tradition is clear. Mm-hmm. Our primary purpose is clear. Right. There are... You know, for me, it's, it's, there's a degree of cognitive dissonance when I go back and I understand that. But then I say, okay, but we have, for example, seven billion people in the world and we know that rates of drinking are around the 20% at dangerous levels. So my quick, you know, back of an envelope calculation is we should have about 1.4 billion members. Mm-hmm. That's not what we have. Yeah. We have around about two million. Right. So there's there's something going on there, um, and I, I don't know what it is. But for me, I guess the the real benefit of member meetings, which are non-religious or secular, mm-hmm. however you want to term them, is that if people share in that context, everyone can get it. Yeah. Everyone gets the right. message. Right. My personal problem is that if I'm in a meeting and someone is sharing in a religious way. I tend to shut down. Right. I still have that. I'm I'm early on, and that's okay. But I do have that problem that I find it hard to sift through for the gold 
in, in their share. I'm sure there's great little nuggets of gold yeah. and, and useful stuff, but I do have this tendency to shut down. So I, I'm figuring with a, with my shares, I, I occasionally mention that I'm uh-huh. an atheist, only so that others who feel the same or, or you know are the same know that it's okay to be out. Yeah. But most of this, it'll be in passing. It'll be, you know, I'm an atheist, so I don't think God is going to do this. However... I've found techniques A, B, and C to be fantastic. So I try to keep the message non-religious as possible with throwing in the occasional mention of being a non-believer. I was doing that. It gets a little tiring, though, because I was kind of dancing around things when I was – I came out um, as an atheist fairly gradually at my home group. Mm. And I would what I would do is um, I would be honest with how I was sharing, but I would be very careful with how I couched the words. Um, but I would try to focus on like actions and so forth. But every once in a while, some topic would come up where um, there was just no avoiding it, you know? <laughs> and and um, like you say, too, just trying to sift through what everyone else was saying, it was getting really it was really wearing on me, and I was feeling more and more distant um, from the from the yep. rest of the group. And that's that's kind of why I, I um, helped start the our meeting here, is because it, it's just becoming too difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've I've found that the the good thing about the two non religious meetings here in Canberra is that um, we have that you know we have that sharing which everyone can enjoy. And we we do often have visitors who are religious who come along for a couple of meetings and. Um, it's really interesting because um, we've had quite a number who are religious, but they've come along to find out what we're all about, mm. and they've stuck around. That's cool. So I, I'm, I'm getting that feedback that, you know, what we're doing kind of, you know, works for everyone. And yeah. and for me, for me, that's, that's fantastic because that's our primary purpose, you know, is helping alcoholics get sober. So what's the and format? It, you know, of your meeting, what's the format? Uh, so the um, the Friday night one is we read Living Sober, okay. which I find to be a very practical, nice yeah. little text. And then the Saturday one is a steps meeting. Um, oh. I think there's there that was so both of the decisions about the format was a group conscience decision uh-huh. in both cases. I do like both the decisions. Um, I, I think it's very important to, to talk about the steps. Um, and so, how do you guys go about guess, that? Do you do you use any particular uh, literature to talk to, to discuss the steps? No. Um, so it's um, again, it's it's relying on the older sober members. So the Saturday meeting reads the step as it appears in the book. That's right. important. It's a historical document. <clears throat> um, and then we get an older sober member to share on how they've done the step or approached the step. Um, and then the, everyone in the group gets a chance to share their thoughts and feelings about the step, whether they've, they've actually done it or not. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, it's, it's, it seems to work very well where we're, we're up to step eight at the moment because it's only been running for about two mm-hmm. and a bit months. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but it seems to work quite well. Uh, the, the plan that the group has come up with is that we may transition to a, a another uh, a document at mm-hmm. some point if we um, feel like we've done enough work on the steps. But you know, I think it's important to spend that time to work out, you know, how are people making sense of the steps in their life, you know, yeah. from where they're coming from. Yeah. 
I think it's important. It's good to have it's good to have that structure. It's good to have a process to go through. Um, I found that most people who show up at an AA meeting are kind of expecting it, whether they've had experience with AA or not. And um, a lot of times, they, the, the one of the questions that we get asked is, "How do you guys work the steps?" You know, um, as mm-hmm. non-believers. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good idea. We do step meetings. Um, oh, we have officially once um, a month we have a step meeting. Um, and we have like, because we have um, we have five meetings a week at our group, and then two meetings a week at the other group. But so one one of those meetings out of the month, yeah, is a step meeting. But we usually, but we'll talk about them occasionally uh, more than that. But um, we we what we do, and this is probably because of the habit from my my um, old group, um, and maybe other groups like that around here. They really rely on reading things, and I and I grew up in a book in a uh, group that was uh, reading the big book all the time. So anyway, we we usually read from some sort of a book, you know. Um, mm. And so we're reading not um, AA literature, but we will read um, a secular version of the steps. Um, mm. and a secular, put it this way, a secular interpretation of the steps is what we do. We have the originals mm. hanging on the wall, but we'll read a book about, you know, like the alternative 12 step books or something like that. Absolutely. Anyway, that's what we do. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's fantastic. Look, I, I think from my point of view, the, the, the steps are important and in a way we can't help, as, but interpret them. Every individual oh, interprets yeah. them Everyone, in whatever way they not. see fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think that's very important. And um, but that's what the group decided. But I, I personally like it. And mm-hmm. um, we do get a lot of people who are not necessarily uh, non-religious at that meeting. So mm-hmm. it really seems to have hit a sweet spot in that it's um, it's not uh, steps meetings are not common here in Canberra. Okay. Um, I think we may be one of the one of the few. There definitely there are a few other ones, but it's it's one of the few. So yeah. it's um it's it seems to have hit a, a, a nice crowd, which is good. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what for me it's all about. You know, it's about carrying that message. Yep. Um, and uh, get making it accessible. Um, I like to think of uh, my particular role as um, helping to widen that broad highway we talk about because mm-hmm. while the highway is broad, the edges are pretty steep, you know. <laughs> yeah. If we fall off it, we tend to fall <laughs> a long way. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. So the broader we can make it, the safer it is for everyone. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's I think that's what we're doing too. I mean, I, I see that at our group. Um, you know, we get a pretty diverse crowd. Um, we don't get as many believers now. We did when we very first started though. We had quite a few believers, not so much anymore. I think they just kind of got tired of it. <laughs> It's interesting. Uh, the very first one of the Friday meeting we had it was a sort of um, coming out as atheist story meeting <laughs> rather oh, yeah. than a recovery meeting. Yeah. And that kind of worried me at first, but th- th- that was one meeting. And the second meeting, oh, we were straight yeah. back to recovery. Yeah. So because yeah. that's what we, we recognize we're all about. So Yeah, very typical too. I mean, um, even our group went through that. Uh, and it kind of, and it will come again in waves as, as people come in. But you'll have, mm. you know, like we'll have people that um, have had a bad experience in AA, you know, and they may have mm. been in AA for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you know, they come out as an atheist and they, they're given hell. And then they find the secular AA meeting and it's, it's a place for them to vent, you know, or to at least express mm-hmm. feelings that they've never been able to express for a long time. It's been pent up inside them. And I think they have to get it out. And then after they mm, get it absolutely. out, they're kind of done with it. And then they can get on with their, you know, the program or whatever. But yeah, I'm like, okay, sometimes yes. I'll cringe. 
Um, if I walk into one of those meetings where someone is angry about God or angry about AA or whatever, but those will happen from time to time. And I just want, I just, I just yeah. always will tell people too, you know, don't judge AA or even an AA group by one particular meeting or by what you hear one person yeah. say at a meeting. Because anybody can say absolutely. whatever they want for their time to talk, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I personally, uh, have, uh, I try to keep a, a very open mind about these things, and I still go to uh, what you guess you could call it, traditional meetings, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I try to get it to as many different ones as possible. Um, because uh, you know, we, I do hear different things, and I, I hear really useful things, and um, you know, it's also it's also good to be to be seen. So. Yeah. Um, I, I like to think that there's there's certainly room in AA for for more traditional, at least what has come to be known as traditional right. meetings and right. um, and non-religious meetings. So I'm hoping there's enough there's enough room for both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal feeling is that um, the the kind of meetings that uh, we have here in Canberra, at least, are seem to be closer to what you were talking about about AA was previously like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're closer to you know talking about just the core principles yeah. and the core traditions of AA. Um, it was uh, funny uh, when at my very get, first group yeah. that a very first group that I went to the downtown Nooners group, and this was back in 1988. And AA was kind of getting kind of conservative at that time, but they were almost they almost kind of tiptoed around the God stuff a little bit, and they went out of their way to tell me, "Oh, don't you worry." Whatever you want to believe, you know, um, and it, and it wasn't that pushy. But then, like a couple of years down the road, as I got involved in this other group, then it got a little bit more particular as we were really, um, really focusing on the big book, and really um, that group was really taking a pretty um, literal and strict interpretation of the big book too. And it seemed like the more that they studied that book, and and I, I guess I should say we, because I was with them doing it, the more that we mm. thought that we had to. Um, follow it precisely. And mm. so, so AA, um, was becoming, at least in my experience, was becoming a little bit, a little bit more rigid, I guess, um, in yeah. that sense. And then, but I was okay with it. It was keeping me sober for a good long time. And it really wasn't Absolutely. until, you know, it was many decades later when I, when I came to realize I was an atheist that it ever became a problem. You know, yeah. Before that, yeah. I just kind of took it as that's the way it is. It is. It is interesting, John, that um, you know uh, some people use, and, and I've seen it personally. Some people use the big book as a uh, a way of promoting their own religiosity. Um, mm-hmm. I personally like to think of the big book as more of a Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. Um, there are bits in it that you can use. Mm-hmm to be godly but there are some really good bits which you know i can use as an atheist to to understand my own sobriety yeah. and and strengthen my own sobriety so i, I like to think of it as useful and uh, once and again i go back to the actual document too right oh absolutely that's where, that's where we got it from yeah so it is it's important uh, uh, to know i i think and yeah. that's one shortcoming of our group we don't read the big book at all um and i think yeah. part of that is my fault because i was um i just got burned out on the damn big book i'm telling you i read it for a long time and so yeah. we don't read it at all and we got a lot of newcomers to our group who some of them i remember one woman said what's a big book they don't even know they don't know anything <laughs> about the big book <laughs> anyway i do i do like to encourage people to go back to it though because if you read it carefully, I think it's actually it's it's is in in not always, but in many parts it's very well written. 
Yeah. And I, I find in meetings that where people quote it, they actually tend to misquote it. I, I mean, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard the, the, the three pertinent ideas and the second one being quoted as, you know, uh, no human power could make me sober. And I think uh, every time, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, it says probably no human no power. Human power. Right. Now, that's a very different thing that probably, and I, I do occasionally share on this, I, that probably is a word I like to focus on and I like to oh, test that point. word. I like Because from my point of view, it's all human power. You yeah, know, me too, exactly. Um, if you look at the the history of it was, you know, Bob was in a hotel. Uh, I'm sorry, Bill was in a hotel, um, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go and have a drink. But mm-hmm. what did he do instead? He sought out other humans. Right. So that's human human power. They set up AA together. That's Absolutely. human power. They yeah. spread the message. That's human power. You know, and when I'm in a meeting, I make the point of saying, I'm in a meeting set up by humans. Right. That's human power. Run by humans. That's human power. Right. With humans sharing and humans listening, it gets. I like to reiterate that it's all human power because I'll finish with saying that's all human. None of that is supernatural, you know. And for me, that's the key point. You know, that probably is so important because I test that. And for me, when I do, all I see is humans helping other humans and doing it the best they can. And mm. that's awesome. I mean, that I had makes that experience a, a fantastic group. organization. Yeah, I was kind of yeah, like really. um, I was kind of like Custer at the Little Bighorn, though. I I came out <laughs> at my group and I said. Uh, I said, human power is all I got. And God damn it, right after that, every single damn person was just, you know, hitting me with, no, you got to have something more. <laughs> it's got, it says right here, <laughs> you know, so, and that's when I realized, you know, this just, just, I just need out. I just need to, I need to do something else. So, but that's the, that's the one thing where we, where I divide with, a, if I say that out loud at a traditional meeting, a lot of people just won't accept that around here anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, it's okay. It's okay though. Look, um, you know, I, I I think it's for me it's important to carry that message and and that's yeah. why if I share on that kind of message I, I make it very clear maybe to the point of being boring that the evidence says that it's human power yeah true for me there's there's no there's no evidence that anything else is happening so why won't you go with the evidence I mean it seems obvious to me, but um, look, I've had the very similar experiences. I've had lots of you know chats after meetings and people wanting to set me straight oh, yeah. on various issues, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't mind because yeah. look, if it's working for them and they're sober, well, hundred percent, congratulations to you. Yeah. You've, you've, you're doing what you need to do. Uh, but I, I look, I don't work that way, you know, and I, I sometimes flippantly uh, make the point after meetings, never on from the floor, that you know. If God made the universe, including all humans, your God made me, and he made me an atheist. Mm-hmm. So he must have a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so who am I to question? I mean, it, 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 it's, it's presented, uh, I yeah. try to present it gently, and as a joke. But yeah. of course, you know, there's a, there's a reasonable point behind that, that, sure. you know, um, if this is what you believe, um, you've, you've got to make sense of, you know, of, of me as part of your worldview and, and how do you do that? I don't know, but it's it's it, look it's a, it's a great challenge. I yeah. I enjoy I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. I and I, I I um although I don't really go to other meetings other than my secular ones, I I, I am very involved with AA overall um, through our district and our area, and I work at our central office, and so I do have interaction with a lot of other AA people outside of uh, my 
secular group. Um, I just don't mm. go to their, just go to their meetings, but I do a lot of other stuff with them and, and I love it. And I, and I love the people. So, well, I was going to ask you, you're talking about, um, starting a podcast, which I think is interesting. You want to talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, sure. Look, um, yeah, it's, um, just a, an idea out there that I, that I've had. Um, it's, it's again, um, something that I ran by some older sober members to say, uh-huh. Uh, there seems to be a lot of resources out uh, there for people who are religious, but there there are very few. Um, and at this point, I have to thank you, John, for your service in terms of your podcast and what you've done. It's a fantastic service. I have listened to your podcast from episode one and uh-huh. enjoyed it greatly. Um, in particular, I really enjoy those episodes where you have someone like you had in episode 72 talking about the science behind what is happening oh, she's with addiction? Yeah, that was recovery. fun. Mm. Yeah, I like her a lot. I have to say, if anything's got me sober, it was understanding the science and, in particular, the way you know our brains work when we're in addiction. Um, I, I, I read William Porter's book, and oh, I wow. literally put it down. Uh, I, I, I read the last half of it in one uh-huh. sitting, put it yeah. down, and went, "Oh, wow! Okay, that's it." I'm done. That, I can never drink again. That was one of the, the I, favorite books I've read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like him I, a I lot. Just, he, um, cause yeah. he, he, he's like you too. And I agree with him. He, he really believes that understanding it is like 90% of the, of, um, mm. of, of recovery is just understanding what the problem is. And he was, he goes through great lengths and describing, you know, why we become and how we become addicted to alcohol. And, He's such a great guy. He is, he helps a lot of people. He's got a really nice website. He writes really well. Um, just does some really good work. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I put down his book and literally had a moment of thought. Okay. I, I understand now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm quite at ease. I'm mm-hmm. at peace with the idea of never drinking again. Yeah. And, and that's something that I had struggled with in AA and mm-hmm. I thought would never come. So yeah. I, you know, gratitude to you for having, you know, interviewed him and for him for writing the book is, mm-hmm. is really enormous. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, that's that the idea is to, to continue the work that others have done, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, I really rely on the older sober members that I've known. And, um, if I've learned anything, it's, it's been from talking to them and, um, you know, it's the old saying, you know, if I've seen further, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants and that's what I'm doing within AA. But I, I, I personally feel an obligation to carry that forward. Yeah. Um, and, and the, hence the idea of, of putting something out there, putting out a resource that will be accessible to people across the world for free. It's amazing. And something. I encourage you to do it. And you will love it. it. It's, I have never had an experience like this in my life doing this podcast. It has been the, one of the most, if not the most rewarding things I've ever done in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I think the two most rewarding things I've ever done was, um, helping to start my group and this podcast. But this podcast yeah. has, Oh, it's just, I just can't even describe it, Jason, Justin, but it just has just totally transformed me. It's opened up the whole world to me and I learn from every single guest. Um, and the feedback that I get from people and how much it means to them to hear their own story, you know, through someone else for the first time. It's just, it's just an amazing experience. So I totally encourage you. It's good for you. It's good for the listener it's just it's just a good it's it's service is what it is and uh and, it, oh, and it's fun <laughs> too yeah so. 
Oh, for me, again, I go back to the um, the origins of AA. And for me, those three principles, you know, that underlie us of unity, service, and recovery are what I go back to. And yeah. I, I, unity is what drives my desire to to spread the message and keep it, you know, in a way which everyone can understand. And service, you know, is, is a big thing in my recovery too. So I, I really feel that um, if I can pass on the message that I received free to others mm. and if it helps them in any way that uh that will have been a well a really uh, a life well lived so yeah. I'm, I'm i'm very happy to have found AA for only those reasons i tell you i kind of think that um us secularists for whatever reason are pretty good with technology <laughs> but maybe mm. better than some of the other a's i don't know why so i would love i'd love to see these podcasts come up uh, because we've got you know rebellion dogs he does a secular uh, mm. josie does secular aa podcasts me and mm. now you and i know that there's going to be more coming on board and then when you go to youtube man we've got like tons and tons of audio stuff out there on youtube now it's just like there's mm. a lot of good information for anyone who's an agnostic or an atheist and who thinks that aa might not be for them they can mm. just google is their friend and they will find AA agnostica AA beyond belief rebellion mm. dogs you know the podcast so it's it's putting that stuff out there is really important and the podcasts are oh, so absolutely. cool because they stay out there as a library and and people mm. discover them over time and uh it's yeah, just, absolutely yeah well i have to say i i literally carry with me usb storage devices to every meeting i go with rebellion dogs and your podcast on uh-huh. and if if anyone says to me oh, I, I really want to get the program but i don't get the religion i pull out a usb and go there you go there's a yeah. hundred hours worth of recovery for free yeah. have it and you and and they usually say are you serious you know like you're giving me this device i said yep if you listen to it that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. If you use it as a device to store your own data, that's good because you'll remember where it comes <laughs> from. And that's passing that message on. That's a good idea, actually. You know, I um, listening to Joe's podcast, actually, he, t- he taught me how to be an atheist in AA, or at least how to be myself, my own true self in AA. And he also mm. encouraged me through his podcast, without even talking to me directly, to get involved with um, service and Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, mm. so those podcasts really made a big difference in my life. Um, so yeah. And then I started and then, then, then doing one too. So yeah, it's great. So do you know what kind of format you're thinking about doing? Can you, you have any ideas? Oh, so I was just thinking, um, just, uh, interview at the moment. And, mm-hmm. uh, the advice that I've got from, um, from other podcasters is that you want to probably get about five episodes in the can. Okay. Um, Test those and then see how you go from there. So um, I'm lucky enough that I've got a conference uh, called Skepticon coming up and uh, pretty much my my two favorite podcasts will be in attendance. And so I'm going to try and hit them up for any further advice or hints. And I'll ask you the same at some point probably, John. That that would be great. Yeah, that's a good idea. I um, That's one thing that I had fallen short on as I – there's a, there's kind of like a podcasting community of people that will talk to each other and share ideas and stuff. And I have never really mm. reached out to any other podcasters other than Joe. Um, and he's been very helpful from time to time. I would ask him questions like if I have a, somebody I'm nervous about interviewing or whatever. But um, yeah, I think that's a great resource. I do now though belong to a Facebook group for pod for uh, podcasters that I actually mm. read the posts there and get ideas and so forth. And it, and it has been helpful. So 
Yep, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Just interviews, essentially longer length sort of shares yeah. from people just to, for the moment, if only because I do hear people saying that um, um, you'll know Joe and Charlie and their and their work. And a lot of people in meetings identify that that's, that's been very useful for them. So right. I'd like to just have at least a resource of, of similar kinds of stuff. You know, this is a share or some information on traditions, steps, whatever it may be from yeah. people who are not religious. And here's how they've, they found a way yeah. to make the program work for them. So a lot, something of power, like that. a lot of power in stories, and and I and, and one one experience I have had from doing this podcast is listening to people's stories and becoming a better listener and valuing those stories and valuing those experiences so much and really getting to know the person from those stories. Um, mm. That's something so cool about when you do a podcast. When you're done with it, then you have to do the editing, and so you listen to that mm. conversation, you know, a little more slowly, a little more carefully. And so mm. um, over time, you know, doing all of these, I have them all memorized in my head, all these people's stories, <laughs> you know, and, and I feel like in a way they're kind of like friends, you know, um, so mm. it's kind of cool. It's a neat experience. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I mean, if nothing else, that gives you a, a, a good resource to, to rely on for your own sobriety. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's, it's clear that, um, at least to me, that, you know, um, I need to be reminded of uh, where I've been on a regular basis so I, I know the reasons why I don't want to ever go back there. And, you know, I think that um, it sounds to me like Australia it, um, is kind of a, um, a booming area for secular AA. I mean, we've got mm. now um, got a number of groups now um, in Sydney mm. and Melbourne and Canberra, right, are the pl- places you've got yeah. them? Yes, absolutely. Uh, as far as I know, I um, – I had a bit of a, a shock when you were, um, I think it was episode 69 I was listening to, and um, was it Jacinta? I'm not Petrina. sure. Um, Petrina, yes, mm-hmm. thank you, from um, from Sydney. And um, mm-hmm. she gave a shout-out um, to say that there were now two meetings in Canberra, and I thought, oh, how did she know that? Yeah. And I thought, of course, because, you know, it's out there on the web, you know. Right. Um, and as, as you said, we do seem particularly good at spreading the message via that, that medium. So, yeah, look. Um, as far as I know, I haven't checked for a while, but there are at least two meetings in Sydney, an NA and an AA meeting in Melbourne, obviously the two in, in Canberra I'm involved with. So it, it's it's getting out there. We're growing. And I look, it's it's all for the good as far as I'm concerned because it's, you know, the the kind of message that we spread is one which is digestible for everyone, which yeah. what is what for me makes it great. Well, I guess it's um, – are you getting ready to get get to your meeting? I am, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to keep you too much longer. No. I, I, will, I, I would love to keep chatting to you, but you're home from work and um, I've got things to do. So, And and now we're contacted on Facebook, so connected, oh, yeah. I should say. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I absolutely have enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Um, I really look forward to your podcast when it's coming out. Um, that will be a lot of fun um, to have have a connection like that. So good luck with that. And um, anything I can do to help you, I'm very, very happy to do. I'm very excited about that. So that's really cool. All right, Nicole, um, I'll leave it there. Thank you for everything. And um, I have to say thank you for your service. Uh, Your podcast has been a very big part of my recovery. So thank you for everything you do.
Well, that's it for another episode, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your support. Uh, nothing does more for my recovery than this podcast. And I uh, just really am grateful to you for the opportunity to uh, do this. Um, hey, if you can think about it, if you like what you hear uh, here, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, if you don't like what you hear, uh, let us know. Maybe we can make a change. Uh, also, if you're looking for support and friends, we have a secret Facebook group that you can join. So if you're interested, send me an email at john at aabeyondbelief.org. That's john at aabeyondbelief.org. Now you all take care. And for you Americans, have a very happy Thanksgiving.